Hi everyone, my name is Johnny McCormick and you're listening to Spoke. This week on the show I'm joined by Kyle Gawley. Kyle is an author, entrepreneur, world traveller and CEO from Belfast. Kyle is currently living as a digital nomad, which means that he travels the world and runs his business wherever he lands. When I managed to catch up with him, he's in Thailand, where he's already been for a few months. On the show, we cover how Kyle founded his ticketing and event business, Get Invited, whilst at university, and how he's now trying to help others to found their own businesses through his business launchpad called Get Started. Kyle shares some of his trials and tribulations in starting a company, including how he almost lost his business to fraudulent activity. Before we get into the show, I do have one more thing to ask, and that's to please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. It's the best way to make sure that you'll never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying it, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It's the best possible way you can help others find the show. Now, without further ado, let's get into conversation with Kyle Golly. Kyle, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Really, really excited to have you on as a guest. No problem at all. Pleasure's mine. Thank you. I always like to start by asking my guests the question, um, how would you introduce yourself? I think for many of my guests and a bit of a theme um, for the guests throughout this podcast has been that they've got a lot of different things going on in their life. So typically it is best just to hand over to you and ask you how you would introduce yourself. Okay. Um, I would say I'm a hybrid between a designer, uh, an entrepreneur, an author. Um, so I do a lot of different things uh, that are all centered around entrepreneurship and building products online. I, I don't really have a, I don't really have a, like a, a like a, a universal title that I that I use. I probably should work on that a little bit. <laughs> that's your that's your homework <laughs> after this podcast. Kind of. um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the companies maybe that you're involved in then so you've mentioned that you're an entrepreneur and a designer can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah so over the years i've built a few of my own products um some which have been more successful than others um the most successful one i've done is get invited which is our online event registration ticketing product i built a, a product before that called visually um, which was kind of like a pinterest competitor and then it completely flopped um i do some other work with other companies so um, I, i'm on a board of a charity in belfast called tammy and i help them with their technical de- technical development of their app that they're creating and then we work through we work with a number of different companies through our um, get started program at get invited great can you say just um a little bit more about Get Started, Kyle. I think most people won't won't necessarily be familiar with that. So can you say a little bit about what that is and maybe we'll chat a little bit about it? Yeah, so Get Started is our business launchpad program. So what we do is we work with a very small number of new startups, entrepreneurs each year, and then we help them get from you know having an idea to getting their product built, getting their product tested and validated with with real users, and then getting that product to market. 
So what does that process look like, Kyle? So if I, if, you know, Joe blogs um, was to come to you with an idea from the street, what does that sort of, what does that sort of process look like? So the first thing we do is we make them go out and validate that idea. So a lot, a lot of people, um, when they come up with an idea for a, an app or software business, they, they fall in love with it straight away. They think it's the greatest idea in the world. Uh, we want to challenge them on that. And you know, before they invest any money in building a product or you know, you're trying to set up the business, um, we put together, in some cases, we'll put together some very crude mock-ups or maybe a questionnaire, and then we help them go out and identify some potential customers and then go and pitch the idea to to those people to get feedback and figure out, okay, you know, are these people excited about my, as, as excited about my idea as, as I am? And most importantly, will these people be prepared to put their, their hand in their wallet and, you know, part with their, their hard-earned, hard-earned cash um, in order to, to purchase my um, product. So th- this is to save people, you know, a lot of time, um, you know, in, investing in building a business, you know, without any validation that, you know, somebody's actually going to pay for it. And is the idea that you've gone through that process um, before with get invited in some of your other businesses, so you are best placed to help people go through that? Yes, that's that's exactly the way, you know, that we see it um you know we're we're providing a service to people but we differentiate ourselves from an agency because we're t- you know we've been through the process ourselves and then we're what we're trying to do is impart all that knowledge and experience onto other people and show you that it's not just about you know getting a bit of cash together and then and then building a product and then you're going to have this super successful business you need to go through this process of um validation and all these other different steps that you have to take before you actually start building your product and also we want to be able to help people with you know we've obviously messed up a lot of things throughout our journey we've had a lot of difficulties and, and barriers and we want to try and use those experiences to help other people on on their journey yeah sure that makes that makes a lot of sense what are some of the typical outcomes of that testing phase then Kyle so if someone goes um you know to speak to some of their potential customers and the feedback isn't too isn't too hot what's the what's the next step I think like usually what happens is they have they have in their head they have the this picture this idea of what their product should do and look like and then they'll go out and they'll test the idea and then they might find that you know, the viable idea is just a slightly different version of, of what they were thinking of. So the customers will say, you know, we don't want this. We don't need this. But, you know, what would be really good is if you could do this. Um, typically, we find, like, the people we work with, we try and select them so that they're, they're ideas that we believe in. They're pretty good ideas that are going to be successful. But what typically happens is the idea maybe just pivots slightly and some of their assumptions were were slightly off. And then we discover new things where customers saying that would be great um, if you had this feature rather than this other thing. And then you know, that gives us a much more um, informed decision on what, what we should build first. Sure. So you typically find that people are coming and they've got an idea that usually tends to be in and around the ballpark of 
you know, a good idea that has an actual product or a business behind it. It's not usually too far off the mark. And that uh, that validation process is really, I suppose, testing it with customers, iterating it, and then changing it to suit the needs of the actual end customer. Is that is that the process? Yeah, exactly. And and like most people who come up with an idea have went through some form of process where they've they've discovered a problem somewhere in their industry and in their own life, and they've they've you know conceived a solution from it. And those people are typically the ones that know what they're doing. And then you have some people that just you know, they just got some crazy idea one day and then they think it's the best thing ever. I think those people are the ones who are more likely to be in for a bit of a shock whenever they go out and actually speak to, you know, potential customers. And they're the ones that may get their their hopes and dreams uh, crushed. Right. Yeah, yeah. That makes that makes sense. Um, Kyle, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like when you were starting Get Invited? So how did you come up with the idea for that? How did you go about finding, you know, your uh, market fit and your first your first couple of customers. Can you say just a little bit about what that entire process was like for Get Invited? I mean, for us, when we like at the time whenever we were doing it, we were new to all of this, and I didn't know any of the stuff I know now. So we didn't have this nice process that we were going through. We were kind of just winging it and figuring things out as we went along. So we started Get Invited as a student project on our master's degree, and. You know, we'd, we'd looked at other ticketing systems that were in existence and we knew a few people that were running events and they weren't too happy with um, what they were using. One of the customers was actually a university, Ulster University. So they ran a big festival um, every year called the Ulster Festival of Art and Design. And they weren't happy with the system they were using. So our, I suppose we did go through that customer validation process where we, we went to the event organizer and we just said, you know, tell us all the things you don't like about what you're using at the minute. And then we wrote it all down. We went away. We built a really crude prototype in a few days. We went back and we said, look, this is what we're thinking of doing. What do you think of this? You know, would you use this? He says, yeah, I think that would solve my problem better. The pricing model that you're proposing is, is much better for us. So that was our, you know, initial validation from one customer. Then we went away, spent a few months building the first iteration of the product, which was awful. Um, that was like using some semi-legal PayPal um, system on the back end. The whole thing was literally hanging together with sellotape. But uh, the customer was like, okay, this is great. I will try this out for a real event. And then we started getting some money going through it. And at that point, that was, you know, validation that, okay, if we can sell this really like rough, um, crude version of the product, then you know once we actually build like a nice product then you know, we should be able to sell it to more people but it was all very scrappy and just going and having conversations with people over coffee and um, just trying to convince people to to try it out yep so i suppose the 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 next question thinking about how get invited connects to get started or how those businesses relate to each other and um, what's what's wrong with just doing it your way so what's wrong with just jumping in and winging it, like you say, holding things together with sellotape until you get enough traction that you can, you know, build something a bit more robust. Why would someone really want to engage with a process like um, get started? Well, I think you know that that winging it is fine. That's what that's what we did. But we also had people around us at the time that were much more experienced than us. Um, had investors and you know, had a board and people that have done this before. And they were, although we were winging it, we kind of had, 
you know, parental supervision. And we had people that were, you know, were keeping us right. Uh, we had advisors and mentors and we weren't completely um, winging it on our own with no experience. So I suppose we get started, we're bringing that element of mentorship and, and experience to people because they, if you're winging it, you're going you're gonna to spend, you know, a vastly larger amount of time trying to figure things out than if you just, you know, if you're working with somebody that's that's had all those problems before and could say, look, don't do this, do this. Um, you know, it's just cutting down the time that people are 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 spending on this and saving a lot of headaches and you know potential problems along the way. Yeah. So you're sort of taking some of the friction or the time where you're spinning your wheels in the mud out of the process for people. Yeah. And you know most people have you know limited time, resources and a budget to do these things. So it's making sure a lot of money is being you know spent wisely. You know, there's so many stories um around Belfast and I'm sure other places that I've heard where you know people spend a hundred grand building a software product and then they go and take it to market and then nobody wants it. And it's like, you know, that's absolutely crazy. That money should have been spent, you know, over a period of years on different product iterations. And you should never be in a position where you spend that amount of money without actually talking to any customers and figuring out what it is that you're building first. Yeah. That's a, that's an expensive lesson to learn, right? Yeah. And there's so many horror stories like that. I've heard so many crazy stories of, people who spend vast amount of money on things. And they're usually people that, you know, her founders that don't come from a tech background and then they're completely dependent on, you know, the agencies and, you know, those advice that they're getting from those people who have their own vested interests of, um, you know, if you say that you want a 40 grand product, we'll build you a 40 grand product. We're not going to tell you that you should actually build a 10 grand product first. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Kyle, can you say just a little bit about um, when you started getting invited? So you mentioned it was when you were doing your um, your master's program. Can you say just a little bit about when it was founded and the sort of the trajectory of the business to date? Like, have you guys gone on and raised you know lots and lots of rounds of funding, or where are you as a as a business now? And what's your what's your journey been to get there? I suppose. So we, we we started it off, and it started as a master's project in 2012. It didn't really become a serious business until 2013. So we raised venture capital pretty much when we were finishing university. So we graduated. Um, as we were graduating, we were closing that round. And then six months later, we had the cash in the bank towards the end of 2013. And I think, you know, that, that was the point where, you know, we were no longer working on campus. We went and got an office. We hired you know, our first employee. And then we started to get actual customers and we started to, to build the product um, properly rather than our little you know, crude prototype that we had. Yeah. And are you still going through that sort of process today, I suppose? Of, of product iteration? Yeah, like product development, raising money. Like, is the Are you still trying to scale the business up today? We all our growth now is organic, so we haven't raised any more money. Um, we do we haven't touched the product for quite a number of years. This year we're basically going to turn it all apart, redesigning it and rebuilding the back end, which is quite scary. Um, you know, whenever you're doing it at the start, you can afford to get things wrong and you know, people kind of not expect that things are gonna go wrong, but now that it's been running for six years and we have a much larger customer base, you know, anything that you change, um, you know, is incredibly high risk. 
And I think, you know, it's the stage of the product now is more a, apart from this big update that we're doing at the minute, you know, it's, it's very much about maintenance, that initial process of like figuring out what we're building, building things really quickly and testing them out is, is, is long gone now. Yeah. What was your, um, what was your motivation, Kyle, to get started? So if you're, so I'm trying to imagine, you know, you're in university, finishing up a master's degree. It's probably a busy enough time anyway, trying to get that degree finished, go through graduation um, and think about what's next. So you talked about, you know, you were starting to develop this product. It was really scrappy. It was sort of held together by sellotape. What was that moment that you decided to tip it over the edge of, you know, this is a university product to this is going to be a business now that I'm going to commit, you know, X amount of years of my life to? It, it was actually before I we even had the idea for getting invited. So when I was doing my, when I was an undergrad, I, I, had, I just had this feeling that I wanted to be a freelancer or, or do my own thing. Um, I probably have a serious issue with authority and, you know, working for other people. So uh, I, I wanted to do my own thing. And at that point, I wanted to be a freelancer. Um, I, I think I did start off thinking I want to just work as a web designer in an agency in Belfast, and then I did that on I did that on placement, and uh, I had a really good placement. Like I really enjoyed um, the company I was working for, but I kind of realised that you know I didn't want to be working nine to five in an office in Belfast building websites for a company that were building websites for other people, I, and then I decided to want to be a freelancer. So I tried that um, in final year of university. I liked it, but then I just started toying with this idea of creating my own product. And then I created my first product, which was visually, and it, it didn't really work out. And that was at the end of my undergrad. So at that point, I thought, right, I really, really, really want to pursue this, you know, startup entrepreneurial path, but I don't think I'm quite ready for it. So that's why I went back to do the master's. And then my master's study was basically around, like, software as a service, startups, you know, startup marketing, um, you know, designing, you know, all digital products for the web. So I kind of, and then, then at that point, we come up with the idea for Get Invited. So before Get Invited, I was, I was looking for that idea. It was, I knew I wanted to be on that, that journey. I just needed the right thing to, to pursue. You know, one thing I find really interesting about your story, Kyle, is it's, it's in some senses the opposite of, you know, the romanticized entrepreneur's journey. So I think um, what we're used to hearing a lot about in the media, for example, is someone who's at university, has a great idea and decides to drop out. But it sounds like you were almost the the opposite of that. So it sounds like you were out of university, having done your undergrad in the world of work and thought, this isn't for me, I want to work for myself, and then went back to university to develop the skills to be able to do that. And then that's when you come up with your, you know, your business idea and launched it from there. Do you, um, because of that, place a lot of value on formal education? Yes, I do. I think a lot of people say, you know, like, you know, university is worthless, you shouldn't have a degree. And I suppose it depends on the degree that you're doing. Like the undergrad degree that I was doing, we had a degree of freedom. So I was able to build a product as part of my master's project and I was, or my undergrad project. And I was encouraged to go and, and try and sell that and get real users. And then the master's then was, you know, there was just complete freedom to do whatever we want. So I built a few other products on the master's as, as well as get invited. And we were just encouraged to 
to pursue that, and we were given a lot of support and resist our assistance from the university. We even got like um, you know financial support from the university, mentoring. The university were one of the first people to invest and get invited. So I think that. There's a lot of opportunity and support available within universities that I don't think most people are aware of. Um, but you know, if you want to go and start a you know a tech business or some kind of technology business within university, there's a lot of support and resources available there to help students and academics to to do that. Yeah, and I think you know it's really interesting because some of those opportunities I think are well hidden because of these more romanticized stories that you hear about you know the the mark zuckerberg or the bill gates you you hear about those more romanticized stories a lot more and i think good opportunities within you know practical universities that give you the opportunity to do the sort of things that you have described are not well publicized enough and are well well hidden from from a lot of people i suppose one thing i'm interested to hear a little bit about Kyle is this idea of being a digital nomad. So um, for anyone that follows you on um, Twitter or reads your blog will know that you're sort of living this somewhat alternative lifestyle. For someone that's listening to the podcast today that doesn't know what a digital nomad is or have sort of any understanding or has maybe never even heard the term before, can you say a little bit about um, what that is and what that means to you? Yeah, I would I would describe a digital nomad as someone that's location independent who works remotely from different locations around the world. So they typically typically go to a place, live there for three months, they'll they'll run their, their business online, and then they'll, they'll move somewhere else for a few months, and then you know, they'll continue to run their business um, from their laptop from the beach or wherever it is. Um. So I think for some people mm-hmm. listening. Sounds like the idyllic lifestyle. How do you go about putting that into practice, Kyle, whenever you're the CEO of a company? Um, I, like, I think it's easier to do it whenever you've, you've got a business and you, you've been working on your business for a few years and then you, you move away and work remotely. I, I know a lot of people who are nomads who just quit their job and then they, they move to Thailand and then they're trying to start their business you know, while, they're, while they're traveling. And I think, I think that's doable, but it's... It's much more difficult than whenever you've you know you spent a few years at home establishing your business first and then you make the move. But logistically, for for a tech business or any kind of online business, it's it's relatively easy because you know you don't need to be sitting in the same room as as the people you work with every day. Obviously, if you're a plumber or something, yeah. Obviously, if you were a plumber, um, you know, being a digital nomad is is probably not going to work out too well for that particular career. Yeah, so there's sort of some practical elements to consider as well. And I, I suppose, Kyle, one of the things I'm wondering is how those conversations went down, you know, with people that worked for Get Invited, some of your investors, your board, your family, you know, how did people react whenever you said, um, you know, hey, guys, one thing that I'm thinking of doing is um, leaving Belfast and going to live in, I think you're in Thailand now, right? Yeah, in Chiang, Chiang Mai in Thailand. Yeah, so how did those conversations go whenever you were starting to share with people? I'm going to stop the Belfast lifestyle and go and live in Chiang Mai for X amount of months. Surprisingly, most people are fine with it. I think, you know, people that I work with and get invited, the customers we have, because they're all quite like tech-savvy and modern, they, they, they don't think it's that strange. 
to be to be working remotely, and a lot of people seem to find it quite cool. Um, the the people that I find that are um, that don't quite understand it is my family and some of my friends. They they just they don't they don't understand. You know why why not just go into the office every day and just stay in the same place um, because that's the way we live our life. I'm like, but you know if you can travel and work from anywhere in the world, you can you can. You, know, you can you can see the world in a nice way and live a nice lifestyle while you're doing it and you're not like slumming it as a as a backpacker then why not yep and is is that your sort of typical stock response to those questions kyle so why you know why are you living your life this way why not just go into the office and be sort of i suppose be content with your lot in life i think like some people some people I talk to, like they just don't, they'll never understand it because it's just not, it's not the way they think. Um, they're not, they're not entrepreneurial. They're not, they don't have any inclination to travel. So I don't, I don't try and explain to those people or, or change their viewpoint because I just accept that, okay, they have a different view and you know they're content with a different type of life. But, but most people generally are like, oh, that's quite interesting. You know, I'd like to hear more about that or how can I, you know, do something like that. Yeah, I think one of the, you know, one of the themes really coming through in this conversation, Kyle, is this um, idea of you just jumping in and doing things. And I suppose it's quite appropriate then that your new sort of your business launchpad is called Get Started. I suppose one one question that I'm really interested in or that's kicking around in my mind at the moment is what would you say to someone that is potentially on the cusp of doing something, but they're not quite sure they're ready yet you know what's your sort of your advice to them this this is a great question because i find that i speak to so many people that have ideas and some like really good ideas for a business but there's always this hurdle to to getting started and I, i suppose i'm quite fortunate in a way that i just just I don't I whenever I have an idea or something I just go and try it. I don't I don't seem to get bogged down by um these barriers people have. But I think the to answer your question that you're you're never you're never right. You're never gonna be you're never gonna be in a position where you're like, right, I have got all the information, knowledge and experience that I need right now in order to execute this in in a perfect way. You're always gonna be starting from a position of, you know, mostly unknown. Um, you don't know if it's going to work, and you kind of just have to get on with it and and figure it out. If if you're afraid of doing something wrong or making a mistake, then you, I, I would say that those kind of people probably aren't cut out to be an entrepreneur because you're always going to be um, you know held down by that by those kind of thoughts, and you, you just. If if you've got that, like you're just worried about getting started, you just have to do it. I mean, once you do, just do something, even if it's like just make something really awful or you build like a really crap product. You know, it's it's a start, and then you just you just iterate from from there. Do you think that there's this sense where a lot of people arbitrarily hold themselves back with this? You know, I'm too old, I'm too young, I haven't got enough money, or I'm too busy. Do you think that there's this sense of people can always find a good excuse? And again, I suppose the next question that follows that is, do you think that part of being an entrepreneur is finding a way to push through those limitations um, and do something different? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you hear, I hear those stories all the time. It's like, oh, I can't do it because I'm too old or, you know, I've got a family. And then 
but there's always somebody that's that's doing it. So like um, one of my business partners at, at Get Started, um, a guy called Niall. So you know, Niall's older than me. He has a family. He's got a, a kid, and he's he's doing the nomad thing kind of. So he's moved to Portugal with his family. His son is now going to like Portuguese school. He's, he can speak like fluent Portuguese, but he never seen it as a problem. It was just like this was an adventure that the family were going on, and he's you know he's doing all this while he's he's running his, his online businesses. But if you talk to Niall, there was never any point when he was talking about any of this where it was an obstacle or I can't do this. It was always like okay, we know this is like a bit unorthodox and different, but you know we're just going to make it happen. Mm. So a potential potentially. Um, difficult question to answer coming up. What do you think it is, Kyle, that um, is different about people like Niall or yourself in the way that they think were? They don't see those things as limitations. They just see them as things that they've got to deal with in order to have that sort of lifestyle that they want or to be able to start the business that they want. What is it that you think is different about them people like are they just wired differently than most people are they doing something differently are they learning different skills what is it that sets them sets them apart i'm not sure like a couple of years ago i probably would have argued that it was some kind of fear fear of failure or fear of you know being perceived in a certain way but i still have fear of failure or fear of you know something going wrong or like you know all those things that I would say most people have. But the difference is probably I just don't really acknowledge it. You know, I go, okay, right, this is a real risk. This could go wrong. Um, but I just don't let it stop me. I, but I think the, I think people that do these things are just wired. They're just wired differently and they just have different motivations. And I think you know, the motivations that I have for, for traveling and being a nomad and run the business is probably that, I don't like authority. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. So I want to live this life where I'm just completely free to do what whatever I want. And that's quite a that that motivation overpowers you know any fear or or doubt or that I have in, in my mind about doing things. Yes, there's some days I still think you know why am I doing this? This is this is really difficult. This is crazy. I should just get a nine to five in, in Belfast. But you know I, I just recognise that as being some part of my brain that's. You know, it's it's you know it has doubts that's trying to make me do the take the safer option, and I just ignore it. Yeah, you listen to the part that pushes you in the in the different direction. Yeah, but I think as well, like whenever I started out in this journey, I I didn't think like this. I wasn't wired like this, and you know things were really challenging for me. So I was terrified of public speaking. I had like really horrendous experiences in high school public speaking. It was really embarrassing and. But I knew I had to to get over it. So, like my lecturer on the masters kind of signed me up to give a talk at an event in Belfast, and like, he brought an actor into our masters course, and she taught us how to talk and um, how to compose ourselves. And they, they, he did a lot to try and prepare me and everyone else in the class for for giving talks. And I, I had to just push through it. And then my university suggested that I went to this accelerator program in uh, Stanford University in California for a few weeks. Um, I, was, I remember putting in the application and like secretly hoping that I didn't get it because I didn't want to go to California for a few weeks. I was terrified of being in a room with all these like entrepreneurs from like, Harvard and Stanford and because um, I just didn't feel that I was on that level. And then I got accepted and I was like, I was freaking out going, how can I get out of this? How can I get, get out of this? Um, but I just kind of, I just had to really like force myself 
to do it. And then I found once you do these things, then you realize actually that was an amazing experience. And like I think my lecturer always says that, you know, whenever I came back from that trip, I was just a completely different person. Yeah, that's a really, that's really interesting story, Kyle. And I suppose the thing that grabbed me was something you said at the very start, which was, you know, I didn't always think like this, or I didn't always have this mindset that you had to develop it in some ways. And I wonder if that's actually, you know, the secret sauce, if you like, if that's the thing that can help people tip over the edge from, you know, living the life that they're currently living to doing the thing that they've maybe always wanted to do is just being open to self-development and potentially putting themselves in a few uncomfortable experiences to get that longer term benefit i think i think yeah self-development is, is an important one like i spend a lot of time reading self-development books practicing techniques and working on myself as well so taking myself out of the business and working on my you know own skills and confidence but also i think that you know the reason that probably people don't do it is that the the pain of whatever they're experiencing right now is maybe not enough to to push them into doing it or they just don't want it bad enough because like whenever whenever I was in that position where these experiences were, were really scary I just wanted that journey so much that I knew that I had to just like like suck it up and just go to California or go and get a talk or do all the things that I've had to do in order to to get where I need to be and I think like if you don't want it that badly it's easy to say oh no I don't want to do this or you know I'm too old or or whatever the, the excuse is yeah. Do you find, Kyle, that once you do one thing, no matter how small it is, it makes doing the next thing easier? So whenever you gave your talk, for example, did you find it made it a, made it a little bit easier to go and give the next talk or do the next thing or do the next pitch for investment? Yeah, I mean, well, I was terrified of giving the talk, but then when I actually gave it after, it was like, well, that was actually, I really enjoyed that. It wasn't like school where I'm standing up talking about some book that I was supposed to read that I haven't read. And, you know, I don't really care about And whereas, like, if you're up talking about your business and what you're passionate about and people are listening to you and they're asking questions, it's it's actually a really enjoyable experience. So every talk I gave after that, I just enjoyed them more and more. And now I love giving talks and, like, it doesn't even, like, getting up and talking doesn't even phase me. But that's so different to where I was six years ago. But I think that, you know, those experiences help you build confidence, but the crazier, the more things you do, like the crazier they tend to get. So when I first became a digital nomad, like initially I was quite scared. I remember my first week in Bangkok, I was standing in Tesco's and I forgot my headphones and I was like, wow, I'm like the only Western person in here and nobody in this room, probably they're all speaking Thai. And I just felt like this intense isolation. And I was like, what am I doing? This is absolutely crazy. I've just moved to the other side of the world on a one-way plane ticket and I didn't know anyone. And then you, you're, it's really uncomfortable, but then you just force yourself to go out and meet people and do things. And then now looking back on that, that seems alien. Now I can just arrive in a place and it's just, I just confident. It's all just like second nature, but it wasn't at the start. You just have to like push through that level of like uncomfort, the discomfort. Yeah. So you get through the sort of the initial awkward phase and then things get into your muscle memory and they just become a little bit, little bit easier the second time around. Yeah. And you feel good about it. Like, you, you know, you're building confidence and you know, there's like a really liberating emotion with knowing that you can just go anywhere in the world with your laptop and just, you know, set up shop and just, you know, you can go anywhere in the world, do anything and just, you know, you can be comfortable doing that 
on your own if you travel with somebody else or um, you can you just have that self-confidence to to do that and then that sort of you know resonates through other areas of your life as well where it's like okay if I can do this you know I can do this other small thing um, that you know may have worried me years ago but almost seems you know quite insignificant in comparison to what I'm doing now. So Kyle for someone that's listening that's maybe thinking oh you know it's all right for Kyle you know he's he's different than me um or maybe thinking your life sounds really idealistic so went to university happened upon a good idea started a business a few years later decided to move to move to thailand you know they're thinking sounds like the perfect life i suppose one thing that i'm interested in in knowing is what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced in your time you know as the ceo of getting invited and growing the business what were some of those things that you thought Gosh, I don't know how I'm gonna. I don't know how I'm going to push through this this part to get to that next stage. What What are some of those big challenges that come to mind? I love this question because a lot of people do see all the stuff you post on social media and go, "Wow, that's you just did this, this, this," and it was also perfect. But most people tend to not talk about all the bad stuff that's happened. And I've always made an effort on a blog to try and like talk about really like awful things that have happened to try and bring some reality to you know what people perceive that entrepreneurial journey to be like um for me my biggest like challenge was so it was two and a half years ago now i ended up in a hospital um quite seriously sick with internal bleeding and that was a combination of like i had this bacteria living in my stomach and compounded with all the stress that i was experiencing through um the business and things that were going wrong in the business that was I was vomiting every day I was in a lot of pain I ended up in the hospital and that experience that changed my life because I was lying in the hospital that night calling like what is wrong with me am I, am I gonna die like and I, you know I questioned a lot of things and you know was I on the journey that I want to be on did I want to be sitting in an office in Belfast you know working every day okay I was working on my own business but I wanted to go out and see the world and and do lots of things and that in a way inspired me to you know become a digital nomad and go and try you know the, that alternative lifestyle um so the, that I, as part of that experience i lost my four front teeth because i was vomiting so much that my teeth basically just disintegrated and like that that that, that experience the aftermath of that lasted for for quite some time you know i had to take it easy after that i came to thailand for a month as a holiday afterwards to just to just chill out a bit and you know those those are some of the things that are like really horrible um and then being in pain every day from vomiting and having like stomach cramps um as part of that you know entrepreneurial journey like those are the things that are really tough um that, that people don't think about and most people don't talk about it i know other entrepreneurs that have that have had like pretty serious health problems and, and repercussions of of what they're doing but they don't they're not vocal about it and I think that so and people don't people aren't really aware of it. And I think there's a huge issue with um, you know mental health problems with like startup founders and people just under immense amounts of like stress and pressure. Um, but but nobody wants to like stand up and say, okay, you know, you know, I just I really struggled to deal with all this um, pressure and emotion and the responsibility. Why do you think um, people do keep? keep things bottled up for so long or why do you think um it it takes an event like being hospitalized for people to um you know come forward share some of their story and make some changes what what is it that forces people or 
enables people to keep things hidden for so long, Kyle? I think it's a fear of of the stigma or being seen as, you know, as you know, being failure in some way, or or people saying, Oh my goodness, like that life isn't as perfect as you know, as, as everybody thought it was. Um or it could also just be a mix of like, you know, at the time whenever I was stressed, it was like it was during like a really rough time where like I didn't really have the luxury of like going and talking about it. it was like we just needed to like focus on these problems and, and fixing things and you just kind of have to like get on with it and just grind through it and for me it just came with like a sudden halt when I was I was in hospital I was like right I need to I need to stop yeah and what about um what about the business Kyle so that's you know that's your personal personal life some of the challenges you faced there what about within the business what are some of the the biggest or meatiest challenges that come to mind whenever you think about how you've been growing the business? Um, uh, one of the, our, one of like the biggest incidents that, that we had, it, it had happened around this period where um, I was, it was before I was in hospital, it was happening this period where things were just not going well. And then we, this, this things weren't going well, but then this new customer signed up um, from, from London and like put a ton of events on get invited we were like great it's gonna be a lot of money for us um and he'd requested that we had paid him by bank transfer which sometimes we do for customers that that we know usually we we don't we we put it all through stripe um we were like we're just in this position we're like okay let's just keep this guy happy and then it was, it was one saturday night i was sitting around my friend's house having a drink and then a business partner messaged me saying you know, we're getting some like um fraudulent charges um on on these events so we looked into it turned out the guy was like he'd set up all these events he was processing like hundreds of stolen credit cards from guatemala through get invited and instantly we were wiring the money to him so we were unknowingly laundering the money and then sending it to him and we just caught on at this point in time where we were just before we were about to wire a payment that would just put us out of, out of business uh, we discovered this, and then we just closed down his account, and uh, we went to the police, who didn't even understand what an online business was. Um, and this this was just like a really stressful ordeal for us, and it's one of those things that you don't think about. People don't write about these things or how do you avoid these these problems um, happening. But like that was probably like the biggest challenge um, that we had. Yeah, I remember actually Kyle reading. I think you wrote up a blog post about that and uh, and shared it on your blog. Do you think that um, because other people or other businesses aren't sharing those sorts of stories, do you think that's what motivates you to write about them on your blog and share them? Yeah, I mean, at the time we were writing it, we had a board meeting, and the board were like, "You don't know if this is a good idea because you know, it may portray the company in a bad way that you've made this decision and this has happened. And I was like, but on the other hand, it's really good education for for people. And then what we found is once I published that, then people start to get in touch and say, oh yeah, we've done something similar. Or And what I've learned is like, it's easy to sit and think, oh, we shouldn't have done this or we handled this badly and we made this mistake. But when you talk to other founders and entrepreneurs, they've all done, they've all made bad decisions and They've, they've all done things like this. I, I don't know a single person who's been on this perfect journey where everything's just went absolutely perfectly from from day one. They just they might paint the picture that you know 
that it's been like that. But usually, once you dig beneath the surface, there's you know, there's all these like crazy things that have that have happened in the background. Yeah, and once you share your story, other people start coming out of the woodwork with with theirs, right? Um, Kyle, I'm wondering uh, if we switch the focus a little bit now. So we've talked a lot about you know your lifestyle as a digital nomad and your businesses get invited and get started. I'm interested to hear a little bit about you now. So who who Kyle Golly is? So one question that I always like to ask is. Who are some of the people that have had the biggest impact in your life and what was that impact and why was it so, so important? Um, I think my parents, because they've, they've always been really supportive of my, of my journey. And especially when I was, when I was younger, I'm probably a bit more lost um, when I was like dropping out of school and I went to tech and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like, I was just trying to figure things out. Um, you know, my dad had had his own business um, many years ago, so he kind of understood, and he, and he shares that mentality of um, you know, never, never work for someone else. You know, just do your own thing. So they were always quite supportive of me and encouraging me on that on that journey and and helping me on that path. Um, also, I think like the people that have been like good mentors um, throughout the journey. So, for example, Tim Brundle from Ulster University. Um, who's kind of been with us from day one. He's been on our board and he's he's always been there to help us like, personally and in the you know in the business. Yep. Great. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received and um why was it so good? Hmm. I don't know. Um I th- somewhere along the line someone just told me that everyone was winging it. And I think that was that was something that, because in the early days, I think it was, I think it was Chris Johnson from the CEO of Adoreboard told me it. Like back in, back when I was a student, I was doing some like freelance work for him, and it, it was at the time when we were just getting started. We get invited, and I was having a lot of conversations with him, and I was like, you know, Chris, you really know what you're doing, and like, um, you know, it's really intimidating that I, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was like, look, Kyle. This is the thing you need to understand is like everybody is just winging it and just making it up as you go along. Just you do the same. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to know it all. Yeah. I think there's something quite empowering about that, especially if you're, if you're feeling like a bit of a fraud or if you're feeling um, a little bit uncomfortable potentially with where you are in your own journey, hearing that from someone that you know that you're looking up to and that you respect can be quite empowering, I think. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so important because especially when you start out, it's easy to look at people and feel intimidated by you know what they've done or where they are. But the truth is they're probably just as lost or confused and don't know what they're doing as, as anyone else, unless you're looking at someone who's maybe done this five, ten times and they know you know exactly what they're doing. But I would say most entrepreneurs I know that they, they, they are just they are just winging it and there's like comfort in knowing that they're just making it up as they go along and you know you can do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle, what's one thing about you that might surprise most people? I don't know. Um, I would say that I would have said that I have a secret penchant for Buckfast, but that's sort of become <laughs> that's sort of become common knowledge in recent years. Oh goodness! So for anyone who has not enjoyed the delights of Buckfast, do you want to say just very briefly what that is? Buckfast is a 
tonic wine from Devon in England. That's um, it's quite popular in Northern Ireland and, and Scotland. But it has this reputation as being quite a, a scummy, um, cheap drink. But it's actually, I think it's up to like eight pounds a bottle now. But I like it because it's just, uh, it's, I don't know, it's just this different kind of um, buzz that you get off that you just don't get when drinking beer or, or normal wine. I love that you have said, you know, it's up to eight pounds a bottle as though that's, <laughs> that's the height of sophistication. It, whenever I started drinking it, it was like three pounds fifty a bottle. <laughs> wow. Um, so, Kyle, one, one question that I'd like to ask before we move into the sort of the quick fire section is if your house was on fire and assuming that your family, friends, pets, you know, all got out safely, what's the one thing that you're going to try and grab on the way out? It will be a toss up between my laptop and my like collection of like old 90s dance finals. Wow, that says a lot about you, Kyle. <laughs> I would probably, I'd probably go for the vinyls because the laptop could be replaced. Yeah, yeah, great. So, a couple of quick fire questions just to bring us in for a close. So you don't need to, you don't need to think about them too much. Um, are you an Instagram or a Twitter fan? Uh, neither these days. Neither. Wow. So you're you're off social. I don't I don't invest as much time in it. My favorite social network would probably be YouTube now because I find that the content on it is just it's just much higher quality because the buyer to entry is higher. For switching off, Kyle, do you normally go to reading or watching TV or Netflix first? Uh, reading or sometimes watching educational YouTube videos. Okay, and then next question then is what's your favorite book and why? favorite book um napoleon hill think and grow rich um are you a city or a countryside person Mm, um when i'm back home in northern ireland i like being in the country but when i'm traveling i prefer to be right in the heart of the city great super and then one final question um to wrap us up what is the best gift that you have ever received oh I think it was my first computer that I got from Santa um, whenever I was uh, quite quite young. And I, I learned, that's what I used to learn to program um, and, and build apps. Good old Santa. Well done, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to give um, my guests just a, a minute or two at the end to close out the show and just share... Um, how the audience can get in touch with them or um, follow you. So if there's anything that you'd like to share, you know, any social media accounts, any website links, uh, any, you know, where they can get your book or anything else that you'd like to mention, now is your time to do that. Okay, cool. Um, If for any entrepreneurs um, or startup founders that are interested in working with us um, to get the product to market, they can find out more about our Get Started program at letsgetstarted.io. Um, if they want to follow my own personal journey, the best place to do that would be on my own personal website, which is kylegolly.com. Oh, I haven't blogged in quite a while because I've been busy with other things. Or they can follow me on Twitter at kylegolly. But the place I'm most active is on Facebook, so they can just search for my name and then just send me a friend request. Great. That sounds good. Thanks so much, um, Kyle, for joining us today. Really appreciate you taking the time.
No problem at all. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this week, folks. We'll have another episode out next Wednesday. In the meantime, please do make sure you've left us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram in between episodes at Spoke Podcast, and that's where we'll provide some sneak peeks and guest announcements. Thanks again for listening.